www.sabscast.com s a b s c a s t.com love and the revolution hello everyone namaste one question about 6 years ago i was asked and then that was followed on by three emails that's the starting of the journey and i would like to share a part of that i have much more to talk about but i'll only share a part of that how the journey began and where we are now a friend of mine working for the bbc nepali service referring to a news 6 years ago asked me you know knowing that i was a nepali atmospheric scientist what did the news saying the kathmandu is the most polluted city in the world he asked me is that true and brings me back to a situation where a friend of mine and i used to go to kathmandu quite often during 2006 and 2011 by the time i was asked that question when we went to darbar square the kathmandu darbar square walking through tamil from the from the darbar mart and we both being atmospheric scientists we used to sniff when we were walking on the street we used to sniff and say ah oh, that's from the diesel burning mm-hmm. right and a couple of you know steps forward again we sniffed and said well oh, that's a, the fuel leaking from the vehicle that wasn't maintained for ages and along the way from tamil to the darbar square again we sniff and said that's smells like a burning paper a burning wood so we could smell that we knew the kathmandu your pollution is getting worse but being a scientist i didn't know how bad it is and i didn't have answer to answer to my colleague from bbc nepal service that okay this is where we rank in term, in terms of international ranking of the cities uh, in terms of pollution where we are so i simply ask him can you give me a few years i'll get back to you and answer this question so for that i had to write three, three emails i wrote to a colleague who we work with uh, together in in kathmandu i want to do science of your pollution in nepal do you have a position to adjust me in your group and he right away said yes come over that was one email i wrote to him the second email i wrote to my you know then director of the united nations environment program uh, in bangkok saying that dear sir i'm quitting this position <laughs> i quit at that position and the third question i a third email i i wrote to my colleagues around the world that hey guys i'm going to iss to do this science of nepal in your pollution in nepal so are you coming to help me i need your help to understand this situation and with one email 18 research group replied yes we are coming to work with you on the issues of air pollution in nepal 40 plus scientists professors students are working with me since then and this is the part of the journey i would like to share with you and we heard about a lot of opportunities in nepal since this morning that 
whether it's investment or social work or building schools or technical vocational schools or doing some social science work, whether it's a migration or any other stuff, it's a land of opportunities. Today, as, as, a, as an atmospheric scientist, I can fairly confidently say that we can do world-class science in Nepal. That's what I want to share with you. So, this is happened earlier this year. What a captivating picture. You know, if you forget all this uh, white spot uh, on the background, beautiful mountain. Once it used to be called Sangrila. And this is what nature has given to us. And see what we are giving back. All these white dotted spots. Some of you who have been in Kathmandu can easily tell me. They are over 100 brick factories within a small valley. And you see all this white plume coming and hovering the smoke around the Kathmandu Valley. And then, situation doesn't stop there. This is just the next day in one of the busiest streets in Kathmandu, right? And then see, it even goes further. Hope some of you who just came from Kathmandu yesterday or more recently didn't go through this situation. We went. Look at this. A husband comes back to home after a day day's work, and wife doesn't recognize who he is. I swear I'm your husband. Believe me. If you don't believe, shake off the dust and you recognize me. So that's the situation, right? Hope we didn't have to go through that. But you know, more recently, the situation has gotten worse. See, this is a beautiful picture I took from the rooftop of one of my measuring stations in, in Bode, in Bhaktapur, two days after. It's like this. The picture tells a lot of things. You know, it's not just Kathmandu. The whole South Asia is a global hotspot in terms of air pollution. So we are just next to, you know, one of the highly polluted regions in the world called the Indo-Gansitic Plains. And you, you see here, this is this, this gray stuff, it's all pollution. The white stuff is winter fog. In Nepali we call it Sitlahar. It gets much bigger than you see here. And this is very recent phenomenon. And it's economic impact is not known yet. It has impacts on many different things, especially crops, but this economic impact uh, is not at evaluated. And air pollution is one of the two big environmental challenges of our time, if you, even if you look at globally, climate change and then air pollution. Just, I listed down the things here, you know, what are the impacts of air pollution? What areas air pollution can have impact on? There are, there are at least 15 different areas air pollution can have impact. First and foremost, primarily important, one is the public health. It impacts your health, my health, children's health. And then it impacts tourism. 
we're talking about tourism as one of the potential areas for Nepal's development. And more recently, if you have followed the news, the aircrafts were not able to land in Kathmandu because the, because the dust was coming off the street and then uh, the airport was not visible. Much more other things. Crops. It damages, air pollution damages crops. Just to give an ex example, in Nepal alone, about 3% of the total productivity is lost because of air pollution. And 3% may not sound so big, but it's enough for feeding 500,000 Nepalis every year. That is the amount we are losing. And then, this is one of the most systematic studies ever done. What it shows is what are the health risks. And if you look at Nepal, air pollution is the single most top killer and the single most environmental health risk in Nepal. Air pollution kills about 32,000 Nepalese every year. That's a huge number. In the globally, it's 7 million. That's a global figure. There are about 2 million in South Asia. But in Nepal alone, 32,000 people die because of air pollution. And please remember, this is all preventable. They wouldn't have died if you had a cleaner air. And as, as I said earlier, it's a huge implications for our development. Welfare loss just because of health. You know, whether it's a, you know, someone becomes sick, cannot go to job, etc. The welfare loss itself is 4.7% or almost 3 billion US dollars. After 24 years, we are talking about having more than 6% GDP growth this year. Look at one pollution issue alone can cost almost 5% of GDP every year. This is a serious problem. And climate change related to that, tourism, glaciers, the impact on the glaciers, the fundamental source of waters in Nepal, they're all connected to air pollution. It is clearly a threat for our national development goals and for achieving sustainable development goals that Nepal is, uh, is part of the agreement. So having this known that air pollution is, is quite a significant issue in Nepal, so we know those who have been in Kathmandu can easily notice these sort of pollution sources. But back then in 2011, when I was asked a question, I didn't know whether the vehicles are contributing 3% or 30%, whether garbage burning is 10% or 50%. We didn't know that. So which one is contributing what? At what fraction, what time, what season? So that's what we wanted to know. So since then, we were you know, bugged with three questions, very simple questions. How bad is your Kathmandu air pollution? As my reporter from BBC asked me. And why is it so bad? What is causing it? 
Is it technology? Is it science? Is it economics? Is it people's choice? Is it socioeconomic condition? Is it a political condition? What is causing it? They're all intricately linked. And then, how, what can we do about it? How can we address it? So, we designed a project called the Sustainable Atmosphere for the Catherine Valley with a time frame of eight years uh, from 2012 to 2020. So what we call it a four-legged stool approach. So we ultimately, we have to mitigate, we have to control the pollution. That's, that's the ultimate thing we want to do. But before that, do you have enough science? To, do we have enough scientific understanding of that? So for, for this reason, we started with a physical science basis. So we want to build the physical science basis first, and then identify the measures, mitigation measures. Basically, first we want to identify their potential for mitigation, and then apply them. So while doing that, we don't do that by sitting atmospheric scientists or physical scientists alone. We want to involve all key stakeholders, get in touch with them, interact with them, if needed, refine the course of our analysis. That's what we've done many times. And also, until and unless you build the local capacity. So we, even I was told by uh, some of the colleagues in Nepal jokingly that uh, you guys are tourist scientists. Mm -hmm. you know, a tourist scientist cannot do much until and unless we build best in Nepal. So capacity building is key. So what we have done so far, I, I don't want to go through all these details, but you know, we are trying to address those four legs <laughs> of, of the, the, the stool. The first one is building the physical science basis. So we started with a big campaign, international campaign in 2012 and 2013, and, and we had many follow-up campaigns. So we would like to go beyond that, building science base. Uh, going beyond Nepal, you know, uh, ultimately. And then, this campaign was aimed at understanding what is coming, what is it coming from, what time it is coming, what fraction, you know, that would give us an idea where to target. The campaign back in 2013 was participated by, as I said earlier, 18 research groups from nine different countries, 40 plus scientists still working with us. And it became the second largest international campaign ever conducted in South Asia. The first one, the largest one was conducted out of Maldives back in 99 called the Indian, Indian Ocean Experiment. So our campaign stands at the second largest uh, until now. You know, what have we understood by you know, doing all this exercise. Those, you know, who have been in Kathmandu, you know, know where, where it is situated. You know, the geographical setting of Kathmandu itself is conducive for air pollution. There are only few passes, mountain passes. Uh, most of them are higher than the valley floor. So the, so the air from outside cannot get in and flush the pollution out. So even in the best case of ventilation, what we have you know, seen in our analysis, it's considered as not good ventilation. So how bad is air pollution? 
in Kathmandu? Just have a look at this. This is a filter paper where we use oh. to suck the pollution and then whatever gets stuck on the filter, uh, that, that we bring back to the lab and analyze. So this is before sampling and this instrument kind of sucks the air almost you know, same rate as we breathe. And then it can give you some kind of impression. Only after 24 hours, Damn. it becomes like this. So this is what we would be breathing if you're walking on this trip in Kathmandu. It would be much more than this. This was in Bode in Bhaktapur, which is relatively cleaner. In Kathmandu, so we had uh, traffic policemen as a volunteer, and then they carried out instruments around, and, and we sampled air pollution at six major intersections in Kathmandu, and we found that WHO said that it should not be more than 25, this red line here, and you see the level of pollution uh, anywhere from two to 16 times higher than WHO said uh, uh, that is a, uh, a guideline. And that has health implication. So when our you know, traffic policemen volunteers you know, were used uh, for this study with and without masks, etc., and see increasing air pollution level degrades their lung function even within four hours of their duty. That's amazingly striking for us. And then, as I said earlier, Kathmandu's location, the geographical setting itself, is not supportive for cleaner air. What, what I'm showing here is that how high the pollution can go. This, this yellow color, red color here, shows how high pollution can go. And most of the time, pollution gets trapped. About 18 hours of a day gets trapped within 250 meters. It cannot go beyond that. So because of that, Early morning, pollution gets really high. You know, in one of the seminars in Kathmandu, I said, it's, it's morning walk set in Kathmandu. The, new, the newspaper the next day wrote, morning walk is not set in Kathmandu. So whatever they wrote, uh, it's in fact, you know, just uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we, we had uh, one of the highly regarded, uh, you know, pulmonologists uh, from Nepal, here and we are discussing about it, and, and now he has started giving advice not to go for morning walk in, in the morning hours. You'd rather, you know, do your exercise indoor. You know, even to our surprise, what we found is not just the particles, not just the dust. The gaseous pollution is also rising in Kathmandu. You know, for example. Some of those who have been to Nepal and who have been to Kathmandu might have been to Nagarkot. Almost half of the year, ozone, which is toxic to human health, is higher than WHO recommended uh, guideline. Look at other places. Interestingly, there was a student who did a uh, you know, thesis uh, 10 years ago. There was only 33% of the year the ozone was higher in, in Pulchok in Lalitpur, but now it has gone up to 38% or so. Within 10 years, it has jumped, jumped quite uh, you know, high. So having all this information, you know, as I said earlier, we would like to know where the pollution is coming from. And that's what we try to understand. If you look at this, these figures, when the brick cleans are not operating, 
the contribution of, there are only few operating, the contribution of brickling is only 21%. But when 100 plus bricklings are operated, 58% of the pollution, dust pollution, is coming from brick factories. Otherwise, the vehicle is the single large uh, you know, uh, contributor to air pollution. We look at not just the California Valley, many parts of South Asia, from Indo-Gangetic Plain to the Tibetan Plateau, at different transect, and, and we see where those toxic particles are coming from, what fraction is from fossil fuel burning and what fraction is from the biomass burning. And, and this is what I say. Uh, we can do this kind of world-class science. This, this was published in uh, Nature Communication, one of the top-ranking uh, journals. If you look at gases, the source contribution looks quite different. So now we need to sit and, and think how we reconcile this information if we want to design the mitigation options, mitigation measures. So what we need to do is we cannot take a solution from Germany or Japan or America and apply them in Nepal. So first and foremost thing, we have to look at it, what are the local context? What are local circumstances? What are local priorities? How can we fit this science-based solution with the local context? So this is what we are trying to do. As I said earlier, we do science, but at the same time we go beyond science and talk to stakeholders. We have been to Nagi Gumba, uh, if I need here in the, in the audience. We have made the measurements there. We have met comedians. We have worked with them. We have met you know, bureaucrats, politicians, civil society leaders to understand different aspects of pollution. This is what I'm talking about. This is engagement with the national and international you know, key stakeholders, decision makers. And that's at the Nagi Gumba, talking to you about this month, Arimpoche, and private sector. So that we can design the solution. Basically, we, we can co-design the solution with not just the atmospheric scientists saying, okay, these are the solutions you use and apply. We don't want to do that. That's the typical mistake most of the projects do. Capacity building. We have trained. PhD students, postdoctoral fellows from Nepal and nearby countries to enhance their capacity. We have engaged them, we have invited them for the workshops, trainings, analysis of data, etc. We have talked to media many times when we are in Kathmandu. We have worked with Mother Krishna and Haribamsa to make a telephone called Dua, smoke in English. We have broadcasted the, the telefilm through Nepal Television, Kantipur Television, and others. And it's available on YouTube. Almost 60,000 have already watched it. This is part of the awareness program we do. Very recently, I myself wrote an open letter to the Prime Minister saying, horrible to cleaner air quality in Nepal. And the letter was, given to the Prime Minister, and there were some initiatives taken afterwards, including reactivating the Environment Protection Council of Nepal, 
which was not functioning for almost 18 years. Now it has been reactivated. And the government is designing pollution and air pollution control strategies and action plan, implementation uh, you know, committees and implementation units, uh, which might come into effect within a month or so. Not just the national stakeholders, we have been talking to international partners, any international forum, like UNFCCC, organized sighted banks, tell them about the situation. It's, it's not just the Gaffroni Valley. You know, I have a lot more about the situation outside Gaffroni Valley, anywhere from Indo-Gangetic Plain to Tibetan Plateau. So, what are we expecting doing all this? The first thing is advancing the science. Just two days ago, my director told me, with this small amount of funding we had, we published already 30 papers over the last three years, which is equivalent to 10 million euro for big institutions you know, in Germany or in somewhere else to have that many level of publications. Our goal is not to publish it. It's just to document scientific findings. That's the goal of publication. Our goal is to generate actionable knowledge that is rooted in science and also rooted in local context. Only that kind of solution can be sustainable. That's what we strongly believe. And ultimately, Six years ago, there was one news saying Kathmandu ranks uh, you know, as the most polluted city in the world. I didn't care about that. You know, what I care is where we are, not in terms of ranking, not in, in terms of quality of the year we are breathing. And the level of understanding, level of awareness has gone really high. Now, every day in Nepali newspapers, you will see at least one news about air pollution, whether it's uh, people standing on the street fully covered with the plastic bag, or a development in the, you know, the policies, or you know, publication of scientific reports, or someone watching television Dua and letting me know, oh, we watched Dua, you know, it was interesting. So what we are trying to do is we are trying to create a group of commons, of people who would be more aware of the issue. Like I said, six years ago, there was only one news. Now, once in a while, there was one news. Now, every day, there are news. People are, have started acting on it. So this is the, you know, the, the group of common purpose we'd like to create. As I said, air pollution is not just an environmental, but it's a societal problem that, that is a clear threat to Nepal's development goals. We need to advance science. We need to continue doing that. And need to connect local context with the science. And then we must design the solution science-based solution informed by the sound, sound science that short-term, medium-term, and long-term policies and action plans are developed. 
Thank you. Thank you very much. www.sabscast.com s a b s c a s t .com love and the revolution